You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. We weren't changing people's lives. We were selling memberships. That's what we were really doing. And it's based on a principle of you not achieving your results. Over the last 18 months, well-being has been at the front of my mind. In focusing on my sleep, stress, nutrition, movement and meditation, the question at the back of my mind has been, what am I actually training for? Is it just to look good? The answer I have discovered for myself is that I am training to be my best in as many moments of each day as I can, for as many days as I can. And when I first heard about Fifth Element Wellness, I immediately felt a sense of alignment with this thought. It seemed to be a place that put the wellness of its clients over its own profits, and I wanted to find out more. I'm Adam Murray, and thanks for joining me as I talk with Matthew Hu about the subtle disruption of what it means to be well. Matt, so good to be chatting to you today. Um, it's first, good to be here. Yeah, awesome. The first question I ask people when they are on the podcast is, where are we? Um, we're in the space where I would say my dreams are coming true. You know, um, So this is Fifth Element Wellness um, inside the yoga studio. And uh, it, it's definitely been a project of passion that, that took many, many years to make happen. Yeah. Yeah, located in Fitzroy North in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously you picked this place because it is the place where your dreams are coming true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, when my business partner and I, Dave, we were looking around for different sites, we ended up visiting almost, I think we, when we counted back, it was about 70 locations. Like it was a ridiculous amount of spaces. Um, but it was really difficult to find one that felt right. And so to have the <coughs> exposed wooden trust and you know, the old warehouse feel, yeah. um, you know, something large enough that we could really sink our teeth into and renovate it and do something special with it was uh, definitely a priority, but it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more work involved, yeah. but it was definitely worth it. Yeah. And had you and Matt worked before you became business partners Dave. in this? Sorry, Matt, had you worked with Dave yeah. before you became business partners in this? No, I mean, it's a really, it's a bit of a surprise how Dave and I came to be. Um, I had quit my job working in the fitness industry more in a management background. I can talk about that later if you want. But, yeah. um, and I knew that I wanted to, you know, I, actually I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I, eventually I decided that I wanted to own a gym um, for myself and, and run my own health club. Um, and so I went through, there were 16 clubs on the market in Melbourne and I went through them all and none of them, none of them felt right. So I ended up contacting a business broker, actually about 50. I called a lot of them. Do you have a gym on your books for sale? If you ever have one, can you let me know? And um, I got a phone call back from somebody who said, look, I've got a close family friend's son who's been trying to get a gym up himself. Um, why don't you guys make contact? I was not planning on having a business partner, but um, one thing I've learned is you, you always take the meeting. So um, I made contact with Dave and over the next few months we um, got to know each other a little bit and then we basically formed a partnership, I guess, uh, very, very aligned philosophies as to what we um, wanted to stand for in the industry, um, especially uh, some of the aspects that we felt um, were very shortcoming in the fitness industry. 
um, and we wanted to try to do something different, and mm. that's what we really pegged ourselves on. So he was very much the yin to my yang. We've got very complementary strengths and skill sets. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not both business experts, and we're not both fitness experts. You know, so he's very clear with where his skill set lies, and, and and vice versa. It's worked out well. So complete strangers gone into business together. Bit of a leap. Yeah. 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 Well, at least you didn't. You didn't fall for the old, uh, you know, don't go into business with your friends. You, you did the opposite of that. We went as far from that as you can get. I mean, yeah. we didn't know anyone. Yeah. Who, I mean, you talk about five or six degrees of separation, we could probably test that. Like, yeah. We didn't know anyone who knew anyone who knew each other. So, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. And so what you talked about those things that weren't quite right in the other gyms that you looked at, you know, the ones mm. that you were for sale. And you talked about you and Dave having an aligned value set. Yeah. What, I mean, what wasn't right with those gyms and what is right about what you're doing here? Okay. Uh, there's a lot to that, to answer that, I guess. Um, it's probably easier if I pre-frame what, a little bit about my background. Sure. I think that might plug the gap. I mean, for me, it, this all started um, when I was just selling memberships at the local gym. You know, I was, here I was, this young kid, you'd come into buy a membership and I'd sell it to you. Um, and I had absolutely no idea that my career was about to skyrocket. I mean, in a couple of, uh, in a couple of years, I was the general manager of, of the facility um, and uh, they were sending me over to Singapore and um, you know, I was running the flagship club of Asia and then they're sending me um, over to Thailand and I was a national sales manager and grew wow. that from you know, nine to 18 clubs and I was managing these huge multi-million dollar revenue lines. Um, and I was pretty young, you know, I think I was 25 and I was doing all that. So I was definitely on, on a very steep curve. Um, and it didn't take long before I'd won all of these awards. You know, I was uh, club of the year, general manager of the year, regional trainer of the year. I mean, these huge awards. And um, then something happened. My, uh, a series of events, my stepfather um, contracted colon cancer um, and he passed away from that. And his name was Lee, and Lee was always very um, adamant about he'll live his life on then here and now. And uh, you know, what's the point of being alive if you can't enjoy the things that are around you? And I still remember him saying that. And the reality is, it caught up to him. You know, he was eating the foods that he wanted to, not necessarily the best things for you: drinking, smoking. And at the age of 52, he's on his deathbed and is holding my hand and is saying to me, "It wasn't worth it." Yeah, and that, that hits you, you know, that really hits you. And then, um, you know, I had thrown myself into this career um, up to my neck in it. And I was burning the candle on both ends really hard. And I'd let myself go. And I remember my boss, who was also a good friend of mine, was visiting me from regional office. And I'm sitting in my desk chair and he walks around and just grabs my love handle. And I was, I was 100 kilos. I was, I was definitely easily obese, if not close to morbidly obese. Um, and... You know, I just had this realization that something had to change. Uh, I was in the swimming pool later on that night and I was thinking about, you know, what, what am I doing? Um, what do I want to stand for? And I actually, I made the conclusion that I wasn't, I wasn't, I used to tell people all the time that we were changing people's lives, right? Um, you know, we weren't selling photocopiers or fax machines. You know, mm -hmm. we were making a difference. And I made the realization that I've been fooling myself. You know, um, we weren't changing people's lives. We were selling memberships. That's what we were really doing. And it's based on a principle of you not achieving your results. Because we know that 
at least 70% of people, 80% of people that were joining weren't coming after three months. Like, we could see that, that were the stats. No one ever really bothered with it. There wasn't a lot of attention there. And um, so, you know, my, my, my personal health had fallen by the wayside. I was having stress in my relationship. I was in a country I didn't necessarily want to be in. And I was, you know, I was the leader of this giant machine. And, you know, like it's a pretty confronting perspective. So for me, I quit my job. And that's when I came to Melbourne seeking to do things differently. And, and still my passion was in, in the fitness industry. But I obviously had to get control of my own health and, and wellness and um, made those transitions as well. But I think um, you know, when I was meeting with Dave and thinking about what did I want to stand for, it was how, to, how about we build a place where um, service and results come first and we don't worry about the finances. Um, we just go in with the belief that if we do the right thing by people, and we're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but what we will do is get it right a hell of a lot more than what the standard looks like out there. Um, and if we go in with that passion, then hopefully the back end takes care of itself. So far, it's been okay and it's worked. You know, um, we're not the most profitable business I've ever run in the world, but that's fine. It's definitely the most fulfilling. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Dave and I have made many, many decisions along the way of, um, you know, we can make this choice. Choice A will lead to more revenue or choice B will lead to better results, but we'll lose the revenue. And every time we've opted and gone for choice B in that scenario. Yeah. And uh, that's, a, that's a ballsy move to make, and, um, but it means you're holding true to your values. Does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's what has drawn me to this place, actually, as well, because I first heard about you through some parents uh, at the school where okay. my kids go, right. and um, Andrew and Kate. And, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, just the way they talked about it really... Somehow it pricked my attention, and I'd been doing a bit of reading about, um, I pronounce his name incorrectly sometimes, but Chris Kreser. Yeah, Chris Kreser, yeah. 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 And I'd heard his podcast through Jonathan Fields, and yeah. it subscribed to him, and I've got his, like, his nine-step program to you know, good health, and I read through that and started applying some of those principles, and I could sort of see some of those things in what Andrew and Kate were saying about this place yeah. really coming through. I mean, we're... You say, you know, you had that moment of crisis and in the pool and then, you know, you, you and Dave got together and started thinking about stuff. Was there, did you do a whole lot of learning in the middle there as well? Like, or, you know, you said you looked at, you had to get your own health right. Yeah. How did you, yeah, um, you go about that? I, I started, um, I actually started following a, a, an industry leader called Charles Poliquin, who's um, well recognised probably as the leading um, uh, personality in terms of um, strength and conditioning health um, and you know we Dave, Dave was also quite a strong um, uh, student of his in the past and and you know one thing which is great with Dave is he picks up on a lot of uh, top-level people and then amalgamates them and you know so we're not just following one person's path in particular but now I went and did a course with Charles Poliquin um, after I'd quit my job to invest in my own education understanding about um, hormones and the effect that they play on the human body and I'm not going to pretend I understand things anywhere near to the level that Dave does that's his forte but um, they were the steps that I started to make you know learning from uh, the industry leaders um, attending courses reading seminars applying some of the philosophies for myself um, changing so much of the food that I was eating, um, uh, 
putting in stress management. You know, this, that just wasn't something I did before. You know, I always to go along the lines of I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, <laughs> and uh, I'd say over the past couple of years, I've reached the conclusion that. That's, that does work, you'll probably just die a lot faster. <laughs> like, yeah. You will sleep when you do. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, you might just accelerate that process. Um, so yeah, lots of education and application. And then Dave has been a big catalyst in terms of my own health and wellness and um, in terms of educating and me being his guinea pig. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm 30, I've lost 30 kilos of body fat. Um, you know, it's a fair amount of weight when it's just body fat. I've gained like eight kilos of muscle. So. Um, you know, I'm still on the journey for my optimal health. Yeah. Um, I think over a decade of hotels and you know expat life and all that sort of and all the bad choices I made, you know, too much alcohol and all that. You know, you can't undo that in a short period of time. Yeah. Um, so I'm still reaping from some of those uh, past choices, mm. and I'm a hell of a long way forward. So I'm probably the best I've ever been in my adult life, and that's nice to say at the age of 36. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. <laughs> for 36, you look amazing. <laughs> Uh, I would have said maybe early 30s. Um, what, I mean, how do you feel in yourself? Like what, what are you feeling is different? What are you noticing oh. about your own body and your own You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So what's, one of the things that I love is when people come into the facility, and most of our members are, are you know, working class people, you know, standard uh, businessmen, executives, uh, uh, um, and a lot of them have kind of gone down the trappings of what are, you know, they're chasing their careers aggressively at the detriment of everything else, right? And we, we deal with a lot of these people. And so for me, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror and I love the fact that I can stand there in front of somebody and say, I've been where you are. In fact, I've probably been worse off yeah. and be able to say that to them um, with complete honesty. Um, rather than, you know, sometimes you walk into a gym and you sit down and you meet a personal trainer who's never been out of shape in his life. You know, sports and health and eating well has been just ingrained into them. Yeah. Uh, I'm far, far from that spectrum. So what I, what I really like is being able to help people um, who, ha who are going through that journey, um, empathize with them and actually be able to give them legitimate, uh, realistic scenarios, but um, also help them paint the, the discrepancy as to what they could potentially feel like. So how would you feel if you woke up every morning feeling like a million dollars, you know, full of energy, positively charged, and you don't need a coffee, you don't need a shower to get going, you're just there, it's just there. And when it's time to go to sleep, you have, you're out, the lights are out, you're out, and you're not thinking about work all night, it's not playing in the back of your mind, you get deep restful sleep, you do not wake up during the night, and you just wake up feeling like that million dollars again. You know, that alone is something that 80% of people that I meet, I'm forecasting or guesstimating here, but most people don't get that experience anymore. So that in itself is tremendous. And yeah, there's the body composition, you know, benefits of you know, buying smaller clothes and, and all that sort of jazz. But to be honest, our philosophy is built on helping you feel amazing. Yeah. And our belief is if we focus on making you feel good, then good body composition. When I say body composition, I mean body fat percentage, lean muscle mass, you know, what you look like, the aesthetics. They just kind of come along the way yeah. rather than what a lot of people do is they chase the aesthetics and in many times it's at the detriment of their own health. Hmm. But you can tell someone, eat like a squirrel and train like a maniac and you know what? They'll probably drop uh, size. Are they gonna feel good? No. Not at all. You know, they're going to have digestion issues, stress issues, cortisol, elevated cortisol, 
um, brain fog. And we see it all the time. We deal a lot with people who have uh, chased aggressively these goals in the past, reached them, and then kind of realized, oh my God, I feel like hell. And there's a lot of metabolic damage. There's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a real cascading effect that people aren't aware of. And unfortunately, this is a key difference for us. The mainstream media, um, like shows like The Biggest Loser and that sort of thing, um, they don't necessarily take into account what's healthy and what's right for the person. And I, I always tell people, for us, it's a journey that focuses on your health and your wellness. You will drop body fat, you will look good, but that is not the be all end all. Um, that's not what you're measuring. No. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, look, we, we do measure it because it is an indicator of how well you've responded to your training sure. and your nutrition and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not, it's not where we hang our hat. Yeah. There's a cafe in Richmond, actually it's in Burnley, called Serotonin. I don't know if you've mm. heard of it. I've heard of it. I haven't been to it yet. Yeah, I recommend going there. <laughs> I think you'd, oh, well. you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, and the food there is amazing. They do a great job of preparing it and... Um, uh, the lady that runs it is a person named Emily and one of her, I guess one of the reasons why she started doing it was obviously her own personal journey but she says people don't realise how good they can actually feel and I think um, for me that just resonated so well because um, I think when I did start feeling well uh, during last year as I started to make my own change it was like oh wow I've been feeling bad and mm. suboptimal this whole time and I didn't actually realize I've just been functioning and thought yeah. I needed all these things to help yeah. me but I can kind of feel good yeah. and this is what it feels that, like. That's yeah. such a good analogy to bring up I mean when I was 100 kilos 36% body fat um, if you, you know, any given day my wife would ask me you know, how are you I'm, saying, I'm, I'm fine I'm good you know like it's fine if I put myself in those shoes right now and I could get the correlation between where I sit now versus then, and you ask me, how do I feel? I'd probably turn around and say to you, I feel like hell. Like, I feel like I'm gonna fall apart any minute now. But, and you don't, it's difficult, because you don't have that contrast until it's occurred. Um, you know, it's something simple as just putting on your seatbelt or taking it off when you're that big, and you don't actually realize, like, it should not, should not even be a conscious, you shouldn't, shouldn't be an effort to just unbuckle your seatbelt, you know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden now, you know, I'm sitting here and, and it's not an issue. Um, it's, sometimes it's the small tangibles, but a lot of the time I think it's really difficult for people to grasp the concept. Um, unless they've been in a state where they have been quite healthy and fit, and then over a short period of time they've ballooned out and they still have that, that um, connection to that past. Your memory, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me a bit about Fifth Element Wellness there and the kinds of things. So when if somebody comes in off the street, um, they've heard about you and they want to join up for whatever reasons they have, what, what happens to them? Um, so when somebody first joins, we take them through a new member assessment. Uh, it's a two hour assessment. Sometimes it goes up to two and a half hours depending on the complexity. In that, we um, take take your body fat percentage and your lean muscle mass, just so we have a, a starting point in terms of your body composition. Um, it can be quite motivating um, when you can look back and see those rewards. Because the thing is, trying to tell somebody, um, trying to measure how's your sleep, how's your energy, you know, how do you feel, they're a bit subjective, they're a bit fluffy. You, 
that's the benefit of having something tangible like this is your, your, your actual numbers in terms of your composition. Um, we'll take them through an orthopedic postural assessment, which is uh, very in-depth, which basically means that we qualify what movements you can and cannot do in the gym with perfect technique. We're not a rah-rah facility, we're a very technical facility. So, um, you know, we're not just gonna say, oh yeah, you look like you can do a squat, fine. You know, we'll give you squats in your program. You know, we'll check to make sure, can you do it with perfect, perfect technique? If it can't be done with perfect technique, we'll take a regression and we'll continuously regress to the point where it can feel quite frustrating. Um, and usually the first month of somebody's journey with us, um, it's learning the technique but it builds the foundation for everything. And again, we're dealing with people who are looking at um, what they want to get with us as a journey, um, not like a, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, just get in and get some results and leave. So most, you know, thankfully, most people are mature enough and patient enough to understand that that makes sense. Um, we also do a basic um, nutritional review, gut health review, and, and a bit of a hormonal profiling as well. And so that's the two hours, and then we would allocate that uh, new client a uh, coach. So they would have the personal trainer that they would meet um, at least once a week. And that is, that is a commitment that you need to make to come on board with us. Uh, we, we know that, or I know from, from my background that most people that join a gym don't go. That's pretty obvious with any consistency. The ones that do are the ones that had a personal trainer. So Dave and I said, how do we build a facility that basically guarantees everyone comes? Well, you've got to commit and be willing to invest in one PT session a week. Yeah. You're not gonna get great results training once a week with a personal trainer. Anyone who tells you that is making stuff up. Um, but what it does do, and when, when they're a coach and they're not just a PT and they're helping to monitor the things that they've agreed on you know, up front, um, you, know, you said that you'd come and when you want to train twice a week on your own and then once with me, and they say, you know, how are you going with that, Adam? You, know, you said you'd come in Monday and Wednesday, you know, did you make that happen? And just having that voice of accountability to the past as well, but also in terms of the nutrition and the lifestyle adjustments. You know, one of the things that we put in place to help you with your uh, stress management was um, you know, you're going to download the Headspace app and, and meditate you know, every second night. How are you going with that? And just having somebody there that's holding you accountable, but also supports and guides you. So all of our members down here have that coaching session once a week. They usually come and do their own training around that as well. <coughs> and they make use of the yoga studio and some of our group classes if they want as well. Um, and I think it's also important to say that every member has not only the PT, but they have the original assessor working with them in tandem. So, you know, there's actually a small team of people um, that, that are focusing on your results. And a huge thing that we do differently compared to anything, anywhere else I've ever seen, and I've been in a lot of gyms, um, we are the only facility that I'm aware of that actually incentivizes and progresses our staff, our personal trainers, on the results that they achieve with their clients. It's not based on um, how much revenue are you collecting, which I won't name companies, but there's a lot that look at that sort of stuff. Um, well, in fact, that's the only model that I know. Or how many sessions are you doing? You know, how many clients can you churn through? You know, we've intentionally chosen one-hour sessions rather than 45 minutes or 30 minutes. Would make more money with, with the shorter option. We know that, but we don't believe that's in the client's best interest. Um, and yeah, well, everything comes in terms of results. They all come first, and a lot of the time. The coaches are genuinely more passionate about getting results for the clients and sometimes the clients are for themselves. But that passion is such a positive force. When you see someone who's batting for you as hard as you are, you're like, 
damn, this person actually gives a shit, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So there's some of the things that I think really help us stand out as well. Yeah. So how do you actually incentivize the personal trainers? And tell me a little bit, because I, I believe they do quite a bit of their own professional development as well. Yeah. yeah. So in Australia, most personal trainers, uh, all the major chains, they incorporate a role basically where PTs pay rent. Um, we pay our, we, we don't do a rent-based model. Um, because we want to have an involvement. So at any stage, Dave, I, or one of the mentors for the staff can say, hey, you know, Adam's not, Adam doesn't seem like he's been getting great results. I want to get involved and have a conversation with you and talk about, you know, what's happening, what strategies are working, aren't working, and stuff like that. So we made that intentional decision. Um, again, not the best financial model to follow, but it's focused on results. Um, with that in mind, we've definitely managed to pick up a lot more forward progress. In, in terms of, I, I guess, uh, retention and, and attrition. But for the, for the progression with the personal trainers, it's a very broad spectrum. Um, results are one of the, if not the key criteria. On top of that though, there's literally like 25 other boxes they need to tick. Um, you know, professionalism, clarity of communication. Um, you know, just some of the things that you just, you feel like you should just get from a personal trainer, but reality is, you know, some people out there have personal trainers taking workouts at a Men's Health magazine, chewing gum while they're on the phone with a client. You know, it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So we're really trying to aim for an upper echelon in terms of, um, you know, what we think the industry should look like yeah. um, from that regard, but without an ego attached to it. We try to keep things really humble, really down to earth, because um, again, there's this stereotype sometimes with personal training about, you know, like I'm, you know, here I am chest thumping, you know, rah, rah, look at me, and you know, that's not what it's about. The number one criteria we have in place when we hire somebody is, do we believe that they're going to care about their clients more than the clients will care themselves? And it doesn't matter what you know or what your experience level is. If we believe that's in you, then you're a long way step forward in terms of the recruitment queue. Um, we have a lot of people that come, that, that apply to work for us who have long CVs, great experience. But to be honest, they're just looking for stepping stones and they want to work in an environment where they can take systems out or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, not exactly our driving force. But we've got a very clear guide to, so somebody can move through a level one through to a level four. Um, their pay does increase as they go, um, but the fees to the clients increase as they go as well. Um, and you know, we've had a really good successful run with people coming in fresh out of an, uh, fresh out of an academy like, like an AIF or whatever it may be, or a win. Um, we don't let them take a client immediately. <laughs> they have to spend a lot of time um, in the business, shadowing, mentoring, um, conducting PT sessions on staff until we feel that they're at a skill set where they can represent our brand, at least on a base level, um, well. And then every single week they get a mentoring session. Um, you know, two hours with a mentor, they get a three and a half hour training session every Friday. And, um, which is a group training session. They get an hour training most Wednesdays as well. Um, and we also pay for our trainers to go on courses, including international courses, um, certifications when they come in through Australia, um, to learn from the best in the industry, like Ido Portel or Charles Poliquin or Mark Buckley, and some of the other guys that are out there. Sounds like a great place to work, man. But hard to get in, perhaps, as well. Yeah, yeah. it is hard to get in. Yeah. Um, I remembered when, I, I've had lots of odd jobs, most of us have, and I remember thinking about, 
um, the one place that I loved working the most was in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> and it wasn't because I necessarily loved the Chinese restaurant, but it was the people that I worked with um, the, and the culture that we had there. So it was a really uh, conscious decision for me, um, probably more so than Dave, um, when I was formulating you know, how do we look after the staff and build an environment because um, I've seen so many negative environments out there um, in terms of making it a place where people just want to be here. Um, and to be honest, so many of the personal trainers just come in on their days off. You know, they've got three hours in between clients. They'll just hang out here. They'll study. They'll come and stretch. They'll do yoga. They'll have, you know, really in-depth conversations. You should hear some of the conversations these guys have. Like, it's, it's absolutely amazing how much passion is in this place. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's also interesting is the diversity of things. I mean, it's, it's not the biggest gym in the world, but no. you've got so much in here. And um, some of the things I'm aware of are like, well, we're in the yoga studio now, and I believe you do meditation yeah. in here too. Yeah. Uh, the infrared sauna. Yeah. You've got obviously weights, and you do more, I guess, boot camp or strongman kind strongman of... Strongman sort of training. Yeah, strongman yeah. training. Modified strongman, yeah. um, which is uh, modified strongman. Uh, the name sometimes scares people away. Um, it's essentially just really big compound movements, flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, big functional movements that get your body moving in, in different um, planes of motion. So you're not just, a lot of move, motion in the gym is just straight up and down, like a, like a squat, straight up and down, deadlift, straight up and down, you know, bicep curl, up and down. Like, uh, you know, swinging the sledgehammer changes, there's rotation involved, you know, there's a lot of different stuff in there. Yeah. Um, so the strongman classes are great yoga, different styles of yoga. Yin yoga is a really big thing for us. So uh, yin yoga is a really laid back sort of class. Um, you know, you, you hold the same pose on the floor for four or five minutes, deep stretching, quite meditative in its response as well. Yeah. Um, we've got the infrared sauna, but we also have a whole range of services. And this is where, um, this is where Dave is absolutely amazing. You know, we, we do blood work analysis down here with the doctor, you know, um, so we've got the medical and the functional side, you know, this, looking at you know, your health and wellness. And there's no better gauge, in our opinion, of your longevity than having a look at your blood work and saying, how do things really stack up? Not how do you feel? Let's not wait till something goes wrong. Let's have a look now and see what things look like and what can we do to preempt anything that may be potentially occurring. You know, blood work analysis is, uh, is, is absolutely amazing. And it's amazing that more people, you know, don't do it on a frequent basis. And the reality is most GPs aren't educated in, in the blood work space. Yeah. Um, so everything from macronutrient plans, where we work out exactly what foods you should be eating to food intolerance testing, um, active release therapy, which is like a remedial massage of myofascial release. Um, there's so much in here, but it's great because a lot of people are used to having maybe a gym and a yoga studio um, that they go to in two separate spaces and they go see a doctor over here and they go see a physio over there and they've kind of got all this stuff scattered around. Here we can, we've got pretty much everything that you need in the one space and then we communicate to each other. So you're not walking out saying, well, this person's told me to do something that directly conflicts with you. Um, what the hell do I do? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes there is conflict, but the guys, the staff will take control of that. They will sit down and they will have their um, they'll put together a, a, the action plan for you that we all agree on and then have that ready for you. Um, and it just removes any of the confusion. It also makes the excuses a lot harder because they're not there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really big thing. And um, Dave has done a tremendous job with putting that together. 
I actually got the blood work done as one of my first things here and was um, okay. pretty blown away with Dave handwriting three pages of notes <laughs> of my blood work, which was very impressive, very neat handwriting as well, and got some great insights. I've been looking for something like that for quite a while, maybe even 10 years, and it's the first time I've really come across it. I've talked to a few other people about it, and some people get really excited about that kind of service. Other people say, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. like, I just don't want to look at that. I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. We've now... Um, I just recently launched a new blog and website and um, we're doing the blood work online as well. So, you know, we've had a few people internationally start to come in as well. Right. So it really obviously is a very, very niche, unique thing. Um, but, you know, we get your blood work and we can tell you what foods we think you should eat, shouldn't, um, what the ways that you should exercise or shouldn't, um, you know, uh, supplementation, if you need some, what you need. Um, and other lifestyle adjustments, and you walk out with a pretty comprehensive plan of what you need to do. Yeah. Come back ideally in six months or whatever the time frame is, get your bloods retested and put the numbers next to each other. You know, it's not a case of, well, what do you think's going on? It's like, okay, your neutrophils were this and now they're that. Um, it's cause and effect a lot more clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find that quite interesting that people don't want to look. I, I'll bring in a TV episode that really, um, really struck home this point to me once. You've probably seen True Detective. Have you seen True Detective? I haven't seen it. I've just heard a lot about it. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's really full on and great storytelling. Um, but right at the end, um, one of the detectives makes this line that he says, you know, and he has to, he has to look at something that's horrible, absolutely horrible. And the other detective, his partner says, well, you know, why are you looking at this? He's saying, I will not divert my eyes again. You know, I need to look at this in order to do my job properly and to see what's actually there. You know, mm. this is important. And that really strikes, that really struck me because I know that there's times that I'm more than willing to, do, to avert my eyes from the truth that I see, but in actual fact, I'm hurting myself by yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that the blood work's amazing. Um, I think with the other thing that's interesting about that is that it, it's not a generic thing that you come out with. It's a tailored plan for you. And um, there seems to be, I mean, I've heard a, a, you know, a bit of a buzz about personalized health being a, a bit of a movement in the future and, yeah. and tailored health. Is that? I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I think, um, I think the 24 hour um, chain sort of concept. If we look at the two spectrums, you know, we're, we've gone very personal, small, um, tailor-made, individualized, and then you've got the large commercial gyms. Um, and then on the other end of that spectrum, with the commercial gyms, you've got these 24-hour facilities where there's, you know, almost zero attention. You know, you sign up online, um, you don't meet anyone, you know, there's zero interaction. One thing we know with fitness is the more personal connection that you have with the people that work at the facility um, and, and the other people in the facility. Um, it's nothing but a positive component to your, uh, I think, uh, uh, consistency in terms of going and, and enjoying the experience. I know this sounds corny, but um, I, I, want, I wanted Fifth Element Wellness to be the place where everyone knows your name. You know, it's like cheers. Yeah. You know? and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to say we do that really well. You know, nearly 
all of the staff know nearly everyone's name in here. Yeah. You know, and that, that makes a really different environment um, for people when they come in. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, the community aspect is so important to people. And I think it's, it's got to be part of it as well. Yeah. You know, people are spending quite a bit of time here as well. Yeah. I mean, probably their work, their family and their gym might be three of the biggest parts yeah. of their life. And yeah. yeah, I think you've nailed it there. Well, I've had, um, I'll tell you two, two um, stories that came up. <coughs> we had a couple that were coming across from the other side of town because um, they were specifically looking for a boutique wellness facility. And um, so we, I think we were the only one. I'm sure we're not, but anyway, the only one that they could find. Yeah. And um, so they were coming all the way across from the other side of town for four to five months, and then they had to sell their house, and they purposely bought a house here. And they would only tell, they told the real estate agent it had to be within like a two to three kilometer radius of this gym, simply because this is how important we are to them. Yeah. You know? And just yesterday I had, a, I had a doctor come down, and he joined up, and, he, and he's, he's here from the UK. And I met him six months ago when he was sorting out his visa. And he, he said, you know, I, I, I told, I was only, sorry, I was only looking for places around the gym because I'm only interested in living in a place where I can get this sort of exposure consistently. I mean, it's pretty, I've never heard that sort of thing before. That's not usually a deciding, people usually go, where's a school? You know, where's a train, <laughs> train station, station, right? Yeah. yeah um, it's pretty flattering to have the yeah, you're probably increasing the, the price of all the real estate around this area Possibly. as well. Is there, I mean, when you think, how long has the gym been here now? Or the wellness two centre? Two years, two months. It's a better way to describe it, isn't it? Wellness yeah. centre. Yeah. yeah, two years, two months. Yeah. Um, can you, is there, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's that good to point out or pick out one particular story of, of someone who's had, you know, a pretty remarkable story, but is there one person or is there kind of just a something overall or collectively you've noticed in that two-year period that you've you know, been mm. able to bring about in a group of people? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got so many success stories, it's crazy. Um, one in particular. Well, I'd, I'd say uh, maybe I'll talk about the first um, transformation that we did. We had um, a girl named Kylie um, who had been working really hard chasing her career quite aggressively at the detriment of her health. And in the space of three months, you know, she, yes, she got the body composition, you know, huge results in terms of dropping, I think, I think it was 14 or 15% body fat, which is a lot. Um, but, you know, the story with Kylie was how um, her sleep improved dramatically. Um, her gut health and nutrition had improved. And just the education, I think, of what we do here is a really big thing. Like, we're teaching people how um, you know, we're teaching a man how to fish, if you know what I mean. Um, and so she, she understood what foods to avoid, what foods to go for, and it was a complete lifestyle change for her. And she's so, and she was our first person who went through you know, what we were classifying as a wellness transformation. We didn't really call it a body transformation because it's more than that for us. And um, a lot of body transformations will crash diet you. And you know what I was talking about earlier about you know taking you through the ringers in terms of training like a maniac and physically, yes. You know, you look good, but um, maybe not internally operating so well. Um, and, and Carly came out singing massive praise. She's, she's written testimonials for us, and she's still here to this day, you know, two years on, um, loving the space. And we've got so many people that have been down that path. It's the people who come on board with us. I'll tell you about the challenges that we have. 
because the, there's so many wins I almost feel like. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Yeah. I'd say the challenges that we have is the misconception that I need to eat less, eat less, eat less, eat less. You know, um, how, Matt, how can I, since, how, how do I lose body fat? How do I get slimmer if I increase the amount of food that I eat? And that, which is what we do for nearly everyone that comes into the facility. We usually, we, you know, we don't just say it, we do the math on it and say, you need to probably increase what you're eating. Um, and we can steer that towards whether that's a fat source, a protein or a carb source. But I'd say that's the biggest challenge for us, taking um, that stereotypical perspective of saying to someone who wants to lose weight that they need to eat more and then them having the, the persistence to see that through because um, sparking your metabolism and getting that burning again rather than um, stalled and stagnant, you're not going to get very far if you're stalled and stagnant in your metabolism. Um, in fact, your health's going to go through a cascading bunch of, of negative issues. But it is a slow process for a lot of people to actually get your metabolism moving again. And um, that is the biggest challenge that we have. And I know you asked about a win, but I actually feel like that's probably, uh, that's a bigger thing to talk about. Yeah, I think you're spot on because, I mean, against that or with that challenge, behind that challenge is a whole lot of cultural uh, norm. There's a whole lot of misinformation about yeah. what we think is healthy and unhealthy. Is the way yeah. we move just in a general day-to-day -day setting and um, it's coming up against I guess social pressures and family pressures as well yeah. it's coming up against all that stuff and creating a space where an alternative can exist correct and the results can I guess stand for themselves yeah. as well and we're in a society where it's a go 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 society it's the uh, it's the way things are these days now the reality is um, you know, your grandfather, if he wanted to write a letter to his brother over in Perth, um, you know, he'd probably sit down, handwrite this thing that would take him, I don't know, half an hour to an hour, um, walk to the mailbox, which could be, you know, however far away it is, if it's probably a bit of a trek, mail it, waits three, six months, whatever it is, and get a reply. Now, things don't work like that anymore, you know? Like, everything's like, flip open your phone and bang, off you go. And so, the amount of stress that is put in our bodies is dramatic and sometimes stress gets categorized wrongly where people think oh but I don't feel stressed it's stimulation if you're mentally active you need to interpret that as stress and um, you know if you're really doing a lot all of the time even if you don't feel stressed classically you're, you're definitely um, burning that and what's quite important is your body's ability to cope with that will significantly come down to um, the food that you eat and if, you're ha if you've got more nutrients in your body, um, you're going to handle stress better than if you have less. Mm. So, you know, when we're in a society where more, 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 go, 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 um, and we're reducing the, f the amount of foods that we eat, oh, you're, you're really dealing with a disaster waiting to happen, and it will happen. Yeah. I think a big, you know, just touching on what you referred to a while ago about the process process taking care of itself and changing your, your body composition as a result, but that not being the focus. And I think there was a question that I asked myself at one stage, it was like, well, what am I actually training for? Am I training to have a body that looks good? Or am I training to be at my best in as many moments as I can of every day, you know, to yeah. produce my absolute best life's work? And that's, I mean, that's, that's what I want in a wellness center. And it seems like that's yeah. kind of what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think most people who come to us are conscious of um, their existence. 
You know, they, they no longer feel like they're going to live forever. You know, longevity, brevity, you know, they're all kind of things like, okay, like, I, I now have, um, now is the time that I need to act to try to change the way that thing's going to look later on. Um, and that's definitely the sort of clientele that we attract and the sort of people that we love to work with as well. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions that I ask people as we start to wrap up. Yeah. And um, the first one is about, I mean, you're doing such, you know, subtly disruptive, transformative work here, if you like. Is this something that you daydream about disrupting one day outside of this realm or maybe as, mm -hmm. a, uh, a, you know, as an add-on to what you're doing here? We're always looking for ways to add on to what we do. You know, we're thinking about a second site um, now, and you know, how do we how do we prepare for that? Um, things like adding, we've spoken about. Dave and I've spoken about adding uh, everything from um, Epsom salt baths, you know, like those um, sensory depredation tanks, um, to uh, you know, plunge pools, um, all, all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, meditation rooms. So we can really encompass more of the wellness aspect. <coughs> One of the biggest reservations that I have, though, and, and Dave as well, is you know, if, if it would be really easy for us to just open up sites and make lots of money. I know that we could do that. I spent a lot of my career doing that for um, a large company in the past. But how do you maintain the same level of quality? Um, and I think there is a trade-off with what we do because it is such a personal-based um, business. Um, we're quite apprehensive to grow if it's going to significantly detract from the quality of either the existing or the secondary site. What I would want is for Fifth Element Wellness to be recognized and known as leading the industry in a space that focuses on what the industry should be about results, not finance. Um, and unfortunately, I believe most of the industry focuses on what makes money not what genuinely helps people, and adding in the latest gadget, gizmo, um, fad. Um, yeah, I, I have to admit, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I think the, the solutions lie in the basics and just doing them well and not getting bored of them and actually um, being mature of mind to say, uh, I'm going to stick with this and not just jumping from one shiny object to the next shiny object. <laughs> you don't get anywhere doing that. Yeah, like it's really, like it's inspiring what you're doing here and my mind naturally does go Thank to um, like more people need this, like we need this, yeah. you know, and it feels so right when I, when I come here and like I said, I've sort of been looking for something like this for about 10 years. Do you think, you know, I get what you're saying, like it's, I think you're spot on too. If you were to grow too quickly, you would compromise mm. what you're doing here. Do you think it, then there's, I mean, how do you think that this could become more commonly accepted? I think, I think I'm tremendously lucky to have found somebody who's as, knowledge, as knowledgeable as Dave, because I could not have done this by myself, and I believe vice versa would be accurate. I think there's a lot of highly passionate, skilled, technical people in the fitness industry. Um, you know, call them your Daves, right? Um, and I think for them to be successful, they need somebody who has also the business component to make it work. Um, and you know, that's what we've done really well. And one of the things that we're now doing is Dave's mentoring personal trainers outside of the space, online and stuff like that as well. So you know, helping from the, the knowledge aspect and, and the education aspect and something that um, I'm potentially planning on doing in the future, mainly due to a number of requests, is helping to mentor 
additional sites who, you know, they are independent owners and they need support in terms of how do I build a system and that sort of thing to um, accommodate more of this into their business. Um, and that, I believe that's probably a likely reach for us and it may even one day turn into a course that we build. Um, but uh, right now, I think um, we're just enjoying the moment. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not overly ambitious. Our goal is just to do what we do really well and enjoy it. And we need to, every time I kind of start thinking about, you know, what's next and how do we get ahead and how do we grow, I, my mind also defaults back into what were the things that caused your issues in the first place, Matt. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, making sure I'm keeping things in check, you know, especially with, with my wife and, and a, and a three-year-old at home and another one about to be born. And I need to make sure I'm getting work-life balance, which is a challenge of mine that I'm working on. Yeah. Well, then one last question then is, what's the subtle thing that you've done in your own life that helped you along this journey, that got you started on this journey, or perhaps sustains you on this journey that would be useful or interesting for mm. other people to hear about as well? Um, I really, I firmly believe in paying your dues. I think, um, kind of what I was just talking about, jumping from one shiny object to the next. Um, one thing I did do, which I'm eternally grateful for, and um, obviously it caused a few of the issues in my life, but the career that I had in the past, you know, putting in 10 solid years, climbing the career ranks from a consultant to a general manager to um, a regional uh, area business manager, taught me a hell of a lot about um, how to make systems work, um, how to establish good cultures um, from a working environment. And I think having the tenacity to stick with that for that length of time to the point where uh, it's just ingrained in me, it's not something I have to stop and think about, um, I, I firmly believe that that is something I, as much as it caused detriment to my health, I have to take responsibility for that. That was my choice in terms of how hard I worked and what I did. Um, I think tenacity to stick with one thing until you get good at it is something that's lacking with most people. And in the new generation, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. You know, they're, they're not entrepreneurs. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone sees those um, romanticized stories of Mark Zuckerberg or whoever it may be that you know, landed this million, billion dollar platform overnight. Um, and I think sometimes understanding that that's probably less than 1% of the cases out there. And um, sure, if you want to have a run at it, don't let anyone question, um, crush your dreams. But have a grain of reality in what you do at the same time and understand that you probably want to stop and get good at something before you move on to the next shiny object. Yeah. I think that's an awesome tip. Matt, so good to chat with you. No, no worries. Really good. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own subtle disruption. Bye for now.